Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. show r.i.p rest in peace toby keith toby keith is special to me my wife the love of my life the lovely lee ross dockage and i went on our first date to see toby keith at clips right here in indianapolis and man did he deliver beer for my man beer for my horses i don't even know red solo cup you name it he sung it and i fell in love Sad news about Toby Keith. Rest in peace. Uh, Stephen A., I'm so tired of this. Look, I understand what equity means. I understand what equality means. You know what it means? Equal but special treatment. We don't want to be treated equally. We want to be treated special. That's what's happening in the coaching profession. Dan Lebertard? Dan Lebertard's a coward? Oh, geez, after working at ESPN with him, I'm stunned by this development. Don't at me starts right now. Whiskey for my man, beer for my horses. You know what I like? I like dudes that are dudes. I like men that are men. I know that makes me bad. I like women that are women. I don't need to have a stick on a woman, and I don't need to have a JJ on a dude. I just like men that are men and women that are women. And Toby Keith was a man's man, at least the way I knew him. I didn't know him personally. I knew him from the stage. And from the stage, he was a man's man. From the stage, he was a guy that I can get down with. From the stage, he was freaking awesome. Lee Ross and I went on our first date. I had to woo her. I did. She had a boyfriend. I had to get it away. I I knew I had a chance, but I had to make a big splash. So what did I do? I got his great seats right there, right in front, Toby Keith, Clip Center. When we went, it was one of those magical nights, people coming up to me. This woman came in from Syracuse to hang with a man that she knew she would eventually marry, but she was having trouble rationalizing it. And as we walked into Clips, the huge crowd. And first, Dirks Bentley got out there, and he was unbelievable. People coming up, taking pictures. It was a magical night for me. And I could see the love in Lee Ross's eyes. I could see I was getting to it. Yeah. Hey, Dan, sign this. Hey, Dan, remember when you came over? Hey, Dan, yeah, it was magic. And then Toby Keith came out and all that went away and I couldn't stop watching Red Solo Cup. Whatever he sung, I was digging it and I dug it, dug it, dug it. Lee Ross right there on my side. It was one of the best nights truly of my adult life. It was because I had the woman that I loved with me and an artist that I knew I liked. I just didn't know it was going to be this special. And it was. Rest in peace. Toby Keith died at age, I believe it was 62. I got goosebumps. I did. I got goosebumps and I got sweaty. Don't know why. Sad for me. It's a memory. It's a great memory. It's one of the great memories of my life, my adult life. And I salute you, Toby Keith. You brought a great night to me and the most beautiful woman in the world. Thank you. And rest in peace. I don't like, and I'm sick and freaking tired 
of equality but special. I'm sick and tired of all the whining, bitching, and moaning that goes on in this world about, well, he didn't get the job because he's black. And I'm talking about Eric Bieniemy. Look, Eric Bieniemy must be a putz. Eric Bieniemy must not interview well. Eric Bieniemy must be the guy that walks in the room and everybody goes, hey, man, how you doing? Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, man. All right. It was announced yesterday that Eric Bieniemy will not be brought back to the Washington Commanders by the new coach, Dan Quinn. Good. I'm a head coach in the NFL. This is Quinn's second and last chance. There will be no third chance. If I'm Dan Quinn, I don't give a damn whether somebody knocks on my door and says, you didn't hire a diverse enough staff. Screw you. I hired a good staff. You don't need, you need to hire a quality control manager that's half Asian, black, woman, lesbian, LGT member. Screw you. I'm hiring who I want. And Eric Bieniemy has proven himself to be not the guy in Washington. Is it fair? You're damn right it's fair. It's 1,000% fair. I'm the head freaking coach. Bieniemy, I don't know you. Bieniemy, I thought you ran the offense into the ground with the commanders. I don't give a damn if you're black, brown, green, or purple. I'll let the NFL office deal with your grievance about racial inequality. My ass. African-American coaches right now get hired, and half of them, well, that's not true. That's not, I wasn't going to say something that isn't true. But a lot of them get hired simply because they're African-American. And if I'm Dan Quinn, I ain't doing it. If I'm a head coach, I ain't doing it. It's my chance. It's my shot. Roger Goodell wants to knock on the door. Uh, The Players Association guy wants to knock on the door. Some grievance counselor wants to knock on the door. Yeah, screw you. I got one shot at this. I'm going to hire, I may hire an all-black staff. I may hire an all-gay staff. I may hire an all-lesbian staff. I may hire an all-African-American white staff. I don't know and I don't care. I'm hiring the best people possible, period. And if Eric Bieniemy was the best person possible, then Dan Quinn should have hired him. But Eric Bieniemy wasn't. And you can wear all your little T-shirts, justice, opportunity, freedom. You got more opportunity than any other race on this planet right now. So stop bitching when you don't get hired for every freaking job. It's true. Stephen A. Smith's bitching about Cliff Kingsbury being hired. Let's hear from this idiot. But I am not exaggerating when I say this. Cliff Kingsbury, the now former coach for the Arizona Cardinals, I challenge anybody in football so tell me I'm wrong about this. This man is more, is more known for his relationships with quarterbacks and that fly-ass crib he had during the NFL draft when COVID was going on and we saw way He's more known for that than he is for winning football games. That is a fact. This, it cannot be disputed. Okay, and so when I look at it from that perspective and we talk about things and I'm going to go here, doggy. We talk about diversity. We certainly saw black coaches getting hired and all of that other stuff. That's not where I'm going. I'm saying from an historical perspective, we look at a guy like Cliff Kingsbury. And you know what we see as black folks? Oh, see, see, this is what this is the kind of stuff that don't happen for black folks. So you're in college, right? And you got a good relationship with Kyler Murray. So we got the number one overall pick. We Arizona. 
So we're going to hire you because you ingratiated yourself with a kid in this family and you the right guy for the job. That works out for you with one playoff appearance in four years, okay, and one winning, one season, a winning record. Now we fast forward years later. Now you're the offensive coordinator. Why you get that job? Because they got the number two overall pick, and Caleb Williams is talking about, that's my dog, a puppy. Ain't thrown a damn pass in the National Football League yet. Okay, wet, great, incredible talent, but breath smelling like Similac, wet behind the ears, ain't throw a damn pass in the NFL. But he vouching. Oh, that's my dog. That's my dog right there. And you get the offensive coordinator's job. It doesn't seem to me like there are bona fide football reasons as to why Cliff Kingsbury is the new offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. You couldn't produce but so much in college. You damn sure didn't do it in the pros, but somehow, some way, job opportunities come your way. As the great Don King once said, only in America, baby. Only in America. Yeah, that's a complete load of bullshit. It's not about black people all the time. I don't give a damn how the black people look at Cliff Kingsbury being hired. Of course they look at it that way because that's way it sells. That way sells beautifully. Well, black people think that. No, no, no. Let me explain something to you. They wanted Eric Bieniemy's ass out in New England. Or excuse me, Kansas City. What'd he do? He did the same thing Cliff Kingsbury did without the resume. He got a job in Washington. Well, black people don't look at it that way. They immediately see a white dude getting hired, and they figure out, how can I get victim status? At least that's what Stephen A. Smith is saying. Stephen A. Smith is full of shit here. I don't give a damn how any race of people looks at it. Well, this is how black people... I don't care. It ain't always about you. I'm sorry. I know you want to make it about you. I know 14% of the population is African, and we got to make everything about you, but this ain't about you. This is about me as a head coach picking who I want as an offensive coordinator, period. Period. And if you don't like it as a black man, it's like I tell a white dude, tough shit. If you don't like it as an African-American, tough shit. I got one shot at this job. I'm comfortable with Kingsbury. Hey, a lot of African, Raheem Morris just got another job. You know what white people look at? That wouldn't happen to a white person now because a white person wouldn't get there. Raheem Morris had a horse shit record, was horse shit at his job, and he just got another head coaching job. White people are like, well, I better not, well, you know, I better not say anything because he's African-American and he certainly deserved it. Oh, it's all a bunch of crap. It's all a bunch of crap. Hire the best person for the job. I personally hope Raheem Morris does a great job. I could care less, actually, if you really want to know the truth. I just said that I hope Raheem Morris does a great job. I could care less whether Raheem Morris does a great job. The only person I care does a great job is Illinois State basketball and the Colts, because I like them, and the Cubs. That's it. Care less about any white dude or black dude or how they do. How do you do? Well, this is how black folks look at it. Who gives a shit? I don't care how black folks look at it. I don't care how white folks look at it. I care how I look at it. I care how I'm in the building. And all Stephen A. Smith did there, and this is one of the rare times. Sometimes Stephen A. Smith actually makes sense in his racial rants. This one did. He just rant. He just saw another opportunity. And you all are falling for it because you're watching this show. You're watching this show. I don't give a damn how black people look at something. I don't give a damn how white people look at how I'm hiring. I don't want Eric Bieniemy running around if I don't want Eric Bieniemy running around my building. 
gives a shit what Eric Bieniemy wants. I want, I want Cliff Kingsbury. I'm getting Cliff Kingsbury. That idiot wants to rant. What's the difference? That idiot right there is going to rant no matter what. No, no, it's time you stand up. It's time people stand up black and white and say, no, nah, that's bull crap. That's absolute dog. You can't, you've gone too far now. You know, hey, look, we give it to you. We understand. But now you're just bitching the bitch. And it is absolute horse bleep. But I'm not surprised because that's all the guys got. Any of these guys got. See, you come to a show like this, we can talk race, we can talk politics. I'll break it down whatever defense you want. These guys got nothing. The chinless wonder, he got nothing. They're just full of crap. Period. Give a d- this is how the African-American community looks at it. I'll give a damn how the African-American community looks at it. I'll give a damn how the white community looks at it. I'll give a damn how the lesbian community looks at it. I don't give a damn how the Asian community looks at it. I'm here to win football games. Look, Stephen A., you'll be on the bitch about something else today. Something else meaningless. Today. <laughs> Full of shit. Jesus. That's a great time. Yeah, only in America... Can Eric Bieniemy even get a job? Only in America can Stephen A. Smith and uh, uh, strong arm people into even getting a job. That's the only in America. I mean, if you went by content of uh, not character, I don't know his character, Stephen A. Smith, by all accounts, he's pretty easy to work with. If you went by his actual content, it is only in America could Stephen A. Smith get a job. He's right about that. Stephen A. Smith, only in America, baby, could you have a job based on your actual knowledge. The yelling, the screaming, the strong-arming by race, you got a job, and it's only in a freaking America. I talked about Toby Keith earlier. Uh, Dan Lebetard, here's a surprise. Dan Lebetard is spineless, fat, ridiculous, loudmouth, and phony. Film at 11. And his little Weasley knee pad boy, Stu Gotts, the same thing. See, Lebetard came at our guy, Bobby Barak. Lebetard did what Lebetard did. He's kind of like Stephen A. Smith, caulk light. That's what exactly, he's caulk light. He's Caucasian light. Now, I know he tries to act like he's some kind of minority. He's some kind of, you know, a disadvantaged person. Good for him. It sells. And that he's a man of the people. But he's cock light. His best friend, the cross-dressing cocaine, alleged, all alleged, buddy of his, who runs their network, well, they think they are smarter than everyone. But they're not because here's what they do. When times get tough, they immediately go to, well, you are a bad person. You are a racist. You're horrible. So they did that to my buddy Bobby Barak. Bobby Barak is America's conscience, and Bobby Barak knows more. So Bobby Barak got called by Lebetard. Well, you're racist. You're vile. You're evil. Okay. He said he's racist, sexist, and hateful. And, of course, Bobby Barak doesn't bow down to anybody. So Bobby Barak went right after Dan Lebetard and tried to set up an interview. Of course, Lebetard's team agreed to it because this, we know, was going to be phony. So what happens? Fast forward. Lebetard and Barack, apparently they set a time. Lebetard, oh my God, this is a shock. The gutless fat wonder decided, I am going to back out. Why am I going to back out? Listen to this. Scheduling miscommunication. 
Like, that fat fool has anything going on other than eating a bag of Cheetos, drinking about 100 beers, and washing it down with some Little Debbie's peanut butter bars. Levitard got nothing to do. Scheduling my ass. Wait a second. I got to get Mina Kainzan. Uh, where's Pablo Torre? We need to support. That's Levitard. Shut up. So Levitard is a coward. Oh, my God. I am shocked. Who did not see this coming? Levitard doesn't want to sit down with Bobby Barack because Bobby Barack judges people like we all do here at OutKick by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Clowns like Stephen A. Smith go totally, and Levitard, go totally against what Martin Luther King Jr. stood for because they judge solely by the color of the skin, not the content of their character. We've seen it over and over again, and I just ran it on it by the whining, bitching, moaning, racially charged nonsense of Cliff Kingsbury being hired. Dan Levitard, that's all he's got. You think Fat Dan, who never played anything in his life but became a writer in Miami, knows anything actual about basketball? You think little Stugatz, when he's done slurping Dan and gets himself a moist towel and cleans off his mouth and takes off his knee pads, has a cigarette, and lays back in bed and rubs Dan nice on the belly? You think Stugatz knows anything about anything? Oh, hell no. Neither of them know a damn thing about sports, so what do they do? They go Stephen A. Smith light. Cock light. What do they do? They talk about race. What do they do? They talk about other people. What do they do? They rip on people that disagree with them, like Bobby Barack. What does Bobby Barack do? He's like, geez, you guys can't hurt a fly. I'm right here. Let's talk about it. Shocker. Shocker alert. Levitard backed out. Oh, my God, am I surprised. Anybody that's ever worked around Levitard understands what a fraud he is. Just a big, fat, bowl full of whining-ass jelly. It is amazing. Here we got a guy that thinks or says he's Cuban and tries to play off on that, and then a black dude like uh, Smith, and you got this white dude like me, and I'm the only one among us that has an open mind when it comes to race. My entire life, I've said this before, I'll say this again, and it pisses people off to no end. I've always judged people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. I grew up in Gary, Indiana. If you didn't get along with black people, you were screwed. If you didn't get along with white people, Hispanic people, you were nuts. And he used to kick the living shit out of every guy playing basketball in Gary, Indiana. Only white dude, me and Pete Turgovich, who was before me, played at UCLA in a couple national championships. Only two white dudes that came through Gary just kicked the living shit out of everybody. Much respect towards me. And me towards them. Well, who's them? I, I saw you said them. Them is the African-American community. Me is me. I can't believe you said them. Next thing you know, you're going to say those people. No, shut up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Gary? Just shut the living down. You said those people. I, I know you did. What do you mean by those people? I mean shut the fuck up. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, speaking of hires. Where's Stephen A. Smith on this? Doc Rivers, America's guest, America's African-American coaching hire. Hey, wait, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Hey, 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 we need a black guy to hire, to coach us. We need an African-American to coach us. Hold on, hold on, who, who we got? Whoa, 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 whoa. Doc Rivers, perfect. What's Doc doing? Uh, well, he got himself a job because he's African-American with a, uh, ABC for the NBA Finals. You think we can get him out to coach the Bucks? Well, yeah. Oh, he's perfect. 
wait, he's lost every one to three, three to one series that he's ever had. He's underachieved more than it. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. He's a black guy, right? Yeah. Let's get him. That's the way this works. You want to know how really it works? And I don't hear Stephen A. Smith or Levitard's fat ass complaining about that. I don't hear him complaining about Doc Rivers. Listen to this. Doc Rivers has taken over the Milwaukee Bucks in a typical Doc Rivers fashion. They're one and three. But Doc Rivers is well-spoken. And Doc Rivers is a nice guy. And the overall thing is Doc Rivers is black. So we must hire him. That's how they, where's Stephen A. Smith on that? Where's Fat Dan on that? Where are all these racially charged, racial, social media gurus on that? I don't know. All of a sudden, wait a second. Grant Hill doesn't know if a basketball can be dribbled or it's stuffed in terms of college basketball. He's lead announcer for the Final Four. Does like one game a year because he's black. You want the truth? Don't tell me because he's Grant Hill. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Grand Hill was white. No chance he has that job with Raftery. You kidding me? So stop. Where are the guys on that? Where's everybody on that? That's how white people look at it. And I don't care how white people look at it. Grand Hill's a nice guy. But Doc Rivers, wait a second. Um, who, where is the list of the African-Americans that we can hire because we... This is exactly how it goes. I've been in these meetings. Because we just fired an African American, and we don't want the population. Uh, we, 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 who's on the line? Who, Adam Silver? Hey, hey, guys, you better hire an African American. So they reach out, and there's your guy right there. Ameri- he's the Quinn Buckner of the NBA. Quinn Buckner's got more jobs because he led Indiana to an undefeated season in 1976 than anybody you've ever met. It's unbelievable. But anyway, so here, let's look. The most recent loss coming after leading by the Jazz by 16 on Sunday and losing by 15. When will this team turn around? Well, guess what? Doc Rivers, all African-American, has been named to coach the All-Star game. Four games deep. Here's what Doc Rivers had to say. <laughs> that is ridiculously bad. Uh, it, it really is. Um, well, Adrian's going to get some money, that's for sure, and a ring. Um, you know, it's one of these quirky things. I think there should be a rule somehow that someone else does it <laughs> other than me. Maybe I'll send my staff and I'll go on vacation. <laughs> I'm going to run that by Adam Silver. I think he's a, he's, you know, Adam's a good man. I think he'll understand. At least Doc Rivers has a sense of humor about it, right? But he is America's minority hire. Good for Doc Rivers. I don't hear Stephen A. Smith bitching, whining, and moaning about that. I don't hear Fat Dan Levitard bitching, whining, and moaning about that. I don't hear any of the other attempted race baiters bitching, whining, and moaning about that. Equal treatment in coaching. It's just the way it is. You want equal but special? Of course you do. Because once you open up a little bit of a box, man, we ain't stopping until we get equal, special, and all. You go, girls. Uh, Mike Shanahan... Uh, Kyle Shanahan 
actually said that the 49ers were pursuing Tom Brady. And he's saying it's a huge compliment to Brock Purdy. Kyle Shanahan's full of shit. Excuse me, I'm on one today. Anytime you want to bring in a quarterback to replace the guy, the quarterback, in this case, Brady to replace Brock Purdy, it ain't no compliment. I don't care how the son of Mike Shanahan wants to spin it. Here's what Shanahan said. Listen to this load of crap. Again, I'm a white guy. I'm going to criticize a white guy. Oh, my God. I actually thought it was giving Brock the biggest compliment. I let him know he's a long-term guy, no question. Tom Brady wanted to come here, start for one year. That's the only way you're not starting when you're healthy this year. That's pretty cool. I wanted to assure him, don't worry, you're our guy, but how cool would it be if Tom Brady would be the quarterback here for one season? How cool would it be for you to learn from him? Kyle Shanahan, you are full of crap. I mean, this is a master class in being completely full of garbage. Kyle Shanahan, you tried to get over on your own quarterback. The lose leaked, and now you're spinning. It would not have been cool for Brock Purdy. There's nothing about this that would have been cool for Brock Purdy. You don't, I don't care who you are. You don't want to lose your starting job ever. There's only 32 of them. Only 32. And Brock Purdy, if, if, of anybody, understands how quickly things can change in the NFL. And you're bringing Tom Brady in here and you're trying to sell me a bill of goods that this would be really cool. It might be cool for you, Kyle Shanahan, because you get to do the Stugats, get out the lotion, get out the moist towel, the knee pads, and have at it with Tom Brady. But it ain't cool for Brock Purdy. It ain't even a little bit. It ain't kind of, sort of, maybe cool. It ain't even close to cool. It's a stab in the back. No, it's a stab in the heart. And Kyle Shanahan tried to do it. I'm guessing, I'm guessing he had to know that it would eventually get leaked. Here's what Purdy had to say about it. I remember Shanahan saying, if we get Tom Brady, we're going to try to get him. And I was like, yeah, he's the GOAT. I get it. But here it is. Something deep inside of me was sort of like, dude, I showed you that I can play well in this system. We're one game away from the Super Bowl. More than anything, I was like, okay, now let's go. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This is why you watch this show. I'm the only human being alive with the stones to tell you the truth on race and the knowledge to tell you what's actual. I didn't even read that last quote in the rundown before I told you there is not a chance in holy hell, zero, zip, nada, that you could spin that, sell that, give that to Brock Purdy, and he's going to do anything other than because he's a nice kid, go, all right, that's fine. But inside, it is a knife right to the heart, and Kyle Shanahan, trying to pull this garbage on us, should be ashamed of himself. He should have just simply said, hey, look, man, y'all caught me. You caught me. What can I tell you? I tried to get Brady in here because I wasn't 100% sure about Purdy, I was wrong. Purdy's the man. Brady, great. Good for him. But you caught me. Period. I've been good. Uh, Diane Russini, who at one point I really liked, she is reporting that Mike Vrabel, listen to this, Mike Vrabel being a large man, 
scared away some teams in certain ways from hiring him, according to one NFL GM that told Rossini. Apparently, everybody is supposed to look like Mike McDaniel, Daniel, whatever the hell that guy's name is. Apparently, everybody's supposed to look like the little weasel so that we can what? Intimidated football coaches are supposed to be big. And if you're in football and you're intimidated by large, and you should not be in football. That's like being in basketball and saying, whoa, you're pretty tall. How tall are you? Does it rain up there? Is it cloudy up there? You shouldn't be in basketball if you're going to be intimidated by tall. You should not be in football if you're going to be intimidated by big. Vrabel is a big man. He's a thick man. He's got a big old head on him. He's got a big chin. He's got a big personality. Everything about him is big, which is exactly what you should want leading men. It's going to be interesting as we move forward. Are all these little Weasley guys like a Mike McDonald or Daniel or whatever, are they going to be out of here pretty soon? I don't know. But I do know this. The last four teams left in the NFL last week, they all had toughness written all over them. They were all built on toughness. They were all built on tough dudes playing tough, tough coaches coaching tough, guys that don't back down. It's not the hire. It's not the NFL way. Analytics. Little capri pants on the sideline. You know what I'm saying. Dudes dress like chicks sometimes, Mike McDaniel. That's great. I long for the days of the chin of Tom Landry, the hat of Tom Landry, the overcoat of Lombardi, the sassy suit of Stram, the hoodie. This is what Diane Rossini had to say. I don't think there was a fit for him. I don't think he sat in front of any owner who thought that his style was going to work for what they were looking for. I had a GM at the Super Bowl, Senior Bowl, who mentioned to me Vrabel's physical build. It's a large human being. can be intimidating into the organization that are going to be part of these decisions. And that was a fact. Oh, I believe that. I do. I, I, I believe that. I, I think that when you are big and you walk around and you're big, particularly in this world where people are weasels, that's why I love our group here. I got a bunch of young people and none of them are weasels. None of them are little whiny guys. They're all just good dudes and women. Everybody's just good peeps. But I get it. You get into some corporation, and there's some pencil neck here that says, man, that's a big dude. I'm scared of him. White privilege is one thing, but white privilege and a mountain of a man. Oh, my God, I need a safe space and a Snickers. Hey, look, at the end of the day, Mike Vrabel must not have fit. And maybe it was his size. Maybe it was his scheme. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know what it was, but it didn't work. And I'm also not going to say that it didn't happen to be because he's a big dude, loud and intimidating, because that does scare a lot of you off. Uh, Joy Reid. Let's just go right to Joy Reid. Will you please? Let's just go right to Joy Reid. Let's hear from Joy Reid. Anyone can win if people vote for them. So, yes, he has an absolutely a chance to win. And as you said, every candidate starts out with a good 45 percent, and then it's a matter of the rest. The challenge for President Biden is that on the facts, the economy is far better now than it was under Donald Trump. And yet you have people saying, I had more money, I was richer under Trump. Not true, not possible. And the fact that he overcame his own objection to the stimmy, 
<laughs> signed a bill Democrats passed to give you a STEMI, mm -hmm. then took credit for the STEMI by putting a letter in the thing when you got the STEMI that said, you're welcome, Donald Trump, yeah. even though he was against the STEMI. Yeah. And now you got people in the street saying, well, Trump gave me a STEMI. No, he didn't. Nancy Pelosi gave you a STEMI. I mean, that's, that's a broadcaster. I just want to think about that. That's a, that's a broadcaster. Look, you can go a hundred different ways on where the economy is, but all I know is this. Interest rates are way up. Inflation is way up. Is interest rates down from where they were? Yeah, but they went so high under this guy. I'll say this. My 401k is getting back in business, and I'm down with that. Gas prices are coming around, not where they were, but they're coming around, and I can live with them. But you know what? Under no – here's how I view it. You view it different. And I'm guessing if you are a person that is all for Biden, you view it way different. I go to the grocery store. Everything that used to cost under $10 now costs over $10. You can walk out with a bag full of nothing and it's $75. That's how I view it. You know, I don't, stimulus, giving Obama phones, uh, giving the, the poor, that's great, wonderful. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. And most of that money is now going to illegal immigrants. But I view it a couple of ways. One, I view it at the grocery store. That's the most important. I view it at the restaurant. And those prices are through the roof. Everywhere you go, prices are through the roof. So you can tell me about jobs that have been created. Because when Biden took over, obviously, we were in the middle of a pandemic. And everybody knew this was coming. Everybody knew that Biden was going to take credit for the creation of jobs once jobs came back after the pandemic. I could have been president and the jobs were coming back after the pandemic. Everybody and their mother knew the setup here. And if you didn't know the setup, it was simply because you weren't paying attention. So yay, Rob, go fight, win. I'm for you, Biden. I want gas prices low. I do. I want to never hear the word inflation, but I do. I, you can say jobs were added, and that's some mythical number out here, and I'll be, that's great. But before I look, look at or li listen to anything about your economy, interest rates through the roof. Young families can't buy a house. Housing market to hell. You haven't done a damn thing to help the auto industry. I just had a long conversation with a friend of mine who owns nine dealerships yesterday. You've been a complete train wreck. And most importantly... Every mother, father, son, daughter, aunt, uncle that goes to the grocery store knows one thing. Prices are through the roof. So get rid of this guy. Get his ass out. Get rid of people like Joy, whatever the hell her name is, and her stupid talking Harvard mouth. And let's get serious about the economy. And let's get inflation out of our vocabulary interest rates down, and most importantly for all of us, let's get prices under control. Hey, before we go to break, I do want to say rest in peace once again. Toby Keith, I've done, I'm not one of those guys that marks everything by the concert they went to. I like concerts, except I don't know how to do acted concerts. Do I dance? Do I sway? Do I get hammered so I don't remember what I'm doing and that makes it easy? Do I put my arm around Lee and whatever? I don't know. But on our first date, 
Lee and I went to a concert. It was Toby Keith. I don't know what I did. I don't know what I didn't do, but it was awesome. It's the only concert that I've ever been to that I don't remember being uncomfortable. I don't remember, like, what do I do with my hands? Oh, I better get a beer, so I got a beer in my hand. Uh, do I dance? White man overbite, always in play. Do I sway? Do I hold Lee? What do I, I don't know. That's my biggest problem at comp, but with Toby Keith, I had none of that. With Toby Keith, I don't even remember. It was a magical night with the most beautiful woman in the world. I fell in love with not only Lee, but the music of Toby Keith. And I am so sad that Toby Keith passed away. I'm so sad that he battled cancer and had to go through a very, very what looked like painful, painful couple of years. Rest in peace, Toby Keith, man. I don't know about anybody else, but you gave me, my wife, one of the greatest nights of my adult life, and I thank you. Uh, speaking of thanking you, come on, bring it. Put it right here. Thank Uncle Dan. Roses are red, violets are blue. You know what you're looking for, right? You're looking for a Valentine's Day gift. All right, I'm going to start this over, and you're not going to be, uh, you're going to be amazed at where I end up with this. Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls, and your date will thank us, too. What's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door and manscape the remedy for what the love doctor ordered his prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. Designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob that you are. Join 10 million men nationwide, worldwide, who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com. You could snag 20% off free shipping with code don't at me. That's right. 20% off free shipping code don't at me at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code don't at me. Because your grooming update awaits. Ready to charm your Valentine's Day day. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's the best week ever on this show when Chappelle, uh, Michelle Tafoya uh, filled in for me. The numbers were through the roof. Thank God. I was getting Wally Pipp. 
Like I was on my deathbed, but I got I got to get back. I got to get back. How are you, Michelle? <laughs> Oh, it was so much fun. Your crew is fantastic. Thank you for letting me sit in. It was a blast. Hey, you brought, let's get right to it. You broke the news. Travis Kelsey possibly retiring. Did you break yeah. news? What, 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 walk me through all that. Okay. Well, here, here's what I know um, or what I've heard. Okay. Cause I, no one knows anything until the ink is dry on some sheet in the NFL office that says he's retired. But my sources tell me he's looking at opportunities to do things other than football. And, uh, you know, we know he is going to be flush with offers, whether it's television, you know, it's, I mean, the guy could host a game show, right? He could go into prime time right now if he wanted to. And certainly the Taylor Swift factor uh, plays into that hand. I mean, it's, he's just got a whole new aspect to him now that people look at Travis Kelsey as more than a football player. So, I'm asking, you know, he, he said at, at Media Day, I guess, the other night, uh, he is more motivated than ever to win a Super Bowl. And I think it's because he wants to win one and get out. Not that he wants to leave. Okay, no one wants to leave. But the, what they put their bodies through, Dan, you know this. They put their bodies through unbelievable pain and, and agony and bruising. And as someone put it recently, his bruises have bruises. So it, 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 when you can stop doing that and you have another alternative that is equally if not more lucrative and you've got a future ahead of you without a concussion you might grab that and i i my guess is that his podcast with his brother who has hinted at retirement more than hinted i think is so successful they can take that they can go on peacock or some other streaming channel and do what the manning brothers are doing with Sunday night football, be that sort of, you know, side cast, if you will. They, he's got so many options, and I just wonder why you'd want to put your body through that as much as you love the game. I think when, when I heard you talking about it, and I, and I hear you talking about it now, I don't think people really understand how big he is now because mm -hmm. of Taylor Swift. The football thing, he's terrific. I, I get it. And he was great in the AFC champ. Like, he was great. Like, he came yeah. out to oh, prove a point. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that sphere, the entertainment world, and she being, you know, the number one entertainer in the entire world, right. I, if people don't understand, they should. This puts him on a totally different level in terms of Precisely. entertainment and Q rating and things like that. It does. And, and we've gotten to see a side of him, and I'll say of Taylor Swift as well, that we have never seen that only their relationship exposes, right? It's a real intimacy. You, you, this is not the Taylor Swift that performs on stage or gets an acceptance speech, gives an acceptance speech at the Grammys. This is a Taylor Swift in love in, and showing it in front of the entire world unabashed, just doesn't, you know, no hiding it, no shame, no secrecy about it. This is just out there for the world to see. And as cynical and skeptical as some people are, it appears to me to be getting more and more authentic every day. And, uh, you know, her now just setting a, a Grammy Award historic record just adds to it. For some people, it's like, oh, gosh, what's this next week going to be like? For others, it's like, yes, this is so great. So it's, it's either way, kind of like Notre Dame football. It's kind of like uh, the royal family. You either right. love it or you hate it, but you're paying attention, right? 
Yeah, and you know what? I'm with you. I think a lot of people felt for a while that this was a made-up thing, going to help yeah. two careers. Agents got involved. We've seen that, I guess. I don't know. I don't pay that much attention. <laughs> Ever since I stopped getting People magazine for the crossword puzzles, I've lost track of who's what and who's real, Michelle. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think people, after the last big games, we've seen, particularly after the AFC Championship game, we've seen that this is a nice story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, and again, I just think people being able to see into someone in a, in a new way that they haven't seen in a very personal, and I'll use the word again, intimate, just uh, unfiltered way that they're looking at this couple is, is really, really interesting. So I think that that, that matters. Now, look, I think Travis Kelsey even before Taylor Smith, Taylor Swift, I mean, he look, he was on SNL. He was asked to do a lot of things, but you're right. There is no doubt that this raises his level of exposure to just oodles of people who weren't aware of him before. So this is uh, this is this is kind of a phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you know what helps it? I, 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 and and again, we don't know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl, but I think it really helps it that. Kelsey played the way he did the other day. I think people oh my were, gosh. it kind of eliminated the whole nonsense, right, about Taylor Swift is distracting him. I mean, he was so good in that. Let's talk football for a second. He was yeah. so good in that game. I mean, he broke mm -hmm. Rice's record in the first half. I didn't see that coming. I didn't really see that coming either. I, did, I wasn't paying attention going into that game, knowing he was as close as he was. But even then, I mean, yeah, that was – maybe the best game I've ever seen him play. And he's played some good ones. Yes. But when you get to this level now, and, and let's let's be honest, the, the Chiefs are seasoned for this. They've been there, done that. This is no longer now, and, and which makes it equally hard to get back to that place because everyone's gunning for you, right? Everyone's got you on their radar. Everyone's what there is. They're just oodles of tape out there to watch. And somehow, that combination of Mahomes and Kelsey, if there's one thing that could keep Kelsey playing, I think it's Mahomes. They're, they're best friends. They have this chemistry on the field that's crazy good. And so, yes, it, it was a it was an astonishing performance. And the thing about it is he makes it look so damn easy, doesn't he? I mean, he just, he just cool. finds a way to catch the football, and he makes it look easy. That is the signature of a, of a, a brilliant player. Who wins the game? <laughs> if you ask my son, it's the 49ers. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I it the, the, the uh, look in the middle of the season or or like week 12, week 13, I was thinking, wow, what's going on with the Chiefs? Mahomes doesn't look the same, you know, they're just not sharp. And everyone was saying, Oh, Taylor Swift is Yoko Ono. And it, you know, this whole thing. And but it's it's how you're playing when you're playing. And they got on this roll here at the end. And they have played so well. And it's not to say they're unbeatable. They're beatable. But it's going to take a, a, just about a perfect game from the 49ers. Do they have that? Can they bring that? Are they healthy enough? All of those things. But it kind of feels like, can you imagine? Like uh, last Sunday, Taylor Swift sets the Grammys record. Next Sunday, Travis Kelsey wins the Super Bowl. It's going to be ridiculous. And so I, I just kind of feels like it has that ending to it and that momentum behind it. Uh, this is a, you know, this is a game where I think you can look at X's and O's and you can look at matchups and all of that, but it's going to come down to, to just how, how things roll, how the chips fall, where the luck is. Every game takes some luck. You know that coach. 
So it's it's going to be uh, I, I I always want Dan just an entertaining Super Bowl. That's all I want. See, I break it down a lot easier. There are three people, three te- teams that I don't bet against. Urban Meyer and the points, Nick Saban and the points, and the Chiefs and the points. I never <laughs> bet against those three things because they don't get points very often. The That's Chiefs are getting points, and I'm, I'm going to ride it. I, I, you know, hey, I had a chance yesterday on my uh, indie show to uh, talk to Thad Mata, the head coach at Butler, and we were talking about uh, a friend of yours, actually. I didn't yeah. realize this. It's the most amazing <laughs> thing ever. If you don't know, Bowden Kapke, I'm going to hope I say his name right. You did. You a did. freshman at, I did, at Butler was brought off the bench in a one-point game with about five seconds to go on the road. Now, you got to understand, on the road at Creighton means 20,000 to 22,000 people. It's one of the biggest arenas, always sold out. This kid, a freshman, comes off the bench, up one, nails two free throws, wins the game. It's unbelievable, and he's a family friend of yours. It, it's, the reason it's unbelievable, too, people have to understand, the reason he was shooting foul shots was the kid who got fouled also got poked in the eye and couldn't go to the line. Yeah. That means Creighton got to point. Uh, we want him to shoot the free throws. Creighton gets to choose, right? They, they they point to the freshman, the six eleven freshman, freshman Bowden Kapke, who gets about thirteen minutes a game, and he gets up there and drains him. His parents were there. Um, he uh, this kid c- grew up right, few houses down. Good friends with my son. I'm very close to the parents. It was just a thing of beauty. And uh, this kid is such a hard worker, and he chose Butler because of Thad Mata. And uh, it it was just a great moment for him. And I I wish him nothing but success. He has earned every bit of it. I'll tell you what Thad told me. Thad's like, hey, Dan. And, and people got shocked by this, at least on my show. He goes, hey, Dan. He goes, you know, in your time coaching, there's probably only one or two kids that would do anything that you ask them to do every time. And people yeah. are like, what are you talking about? Every kid would. No, 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 no. Every kid. No, no, no. There's only a few. He goes, Bowden is that kid. Whatever yeah. I would ask him to do, he is going to do it every time. I think I think Thad got to pick the shooter because he told me he oh, was, was that begging right? the kid. Yeah, yeah. He he said I was begging the kid to shoot him with the with the eye because he didn't want to put Bowden or another kid in this situation. He said I had a choice between Bowden and a 90% free throw shooter, but he's a walk-on. He said, you know what, I figured Bowden, I know the walk-on, I didn't want to put this kid in that position. I knew Bowden had played, he had played in the game, he was at least going to give me the best shot, so I put him in. But the fact that he said Bowden will do anything I want him to do every time is the biggest compliment a coach can give. He's a six eleven kid. That that part's not coachable, right? Height is not coachable. But right. his mom played basketball at the University of Maine. His dad played football at Wisconsin. This kid is kind of a physical freak of nature. But that is the gift: is his mind about what he's doing. And he was raised right. And uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of kid he is. It's really nice to hear. I'm going to pass that along. I didn't know that Thad pass got that to along. choose a shooter. That's what he said. There's different rules on how you get to do it. And you're right. Okay. It's, it's some, and I'm not sure, but that's what, you know, that's what he said. Cause I, I was under the assumption, the other team, 
you know, pick the 6'11 kid. Hey, I can't let you go without talking about Patrick Mahomes Sr. DUI. This uh, is why I don't I don't think this is going to affect Patrick Mahomes. Do you? No. What, what do you think? No, I don't. No, I don't. Uh, look, he loves his father. Um, I think I think he's grown up with all of this distraction. Look, this is not shocking to anyone. I mean, Patrick Mahomes Sr. played here for the Twins in Minnesota. It, this is not shocking to anyone who's followed his career. There have been a lot of bumps and hiccups along the way. So no, I think I think initially probably Patrick was like, oh God, but I think I think he's gonna overcome it just fine. If anything, it will drive him. If anything, it will inspire Patrick Mahomes to show up for the family and be the person and the player that he is. So it's it's disappointing. It's it's a little bit of a distraction, but my gosh, if you think of all the distractions. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and this entire team have endured over the last five years. Uh, it's it's amazing. And so they know how to deal with this. I mean, they they just do. If Andy Reid wins, you think this is his last game? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he'd do. You know, remember when sadly right. he lost his son? And we all thought, and and I I adore Andy. I consider him a friend. And I, I I remember that, and I thought, Andy, take a year off. Take a year off. He didn't. This is what Andy does. And he's still got time left in him. And I think if, you know, as long as he's got Mahomes, why would he stop? Wait, right. do you think he's going to – do you think he's done? No, but I, I think as long as he's got Mahomes, I, 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 would, I would bet this. You know, as a young coach, you're frantic. As a young coach, you're – you're, you're worried about the little rabbits. You're, 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 you major in minors, right? You're like, oh, my God, I got this happening. As an older coach, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, Slappy over there will handle it. Jimmy will handle it. I'm good. Leave me alone. You know, yeah. uh, I, got, I would bet, Michelle, and you can speak to this better than me, uh, being around the NFL as much as you were, I would imagine an older coach has this thing down. Like yeah. absolutely down how he how he comports his life most comfortably the team everything I would bet Andy Reid got this thing uh, I, externally internally he's working his ass off on football but all the other right. stuff I would bet he's got that on cruise control thickest skin you're gonna find I think it's a, another little interesting thing here is Eric Bieniemy was his right hand man his offensive coordinator when he was there in Kansas City Eric Bieniemy has been released from Washington. I just wonder if he's going to go back into the fold in Kansas City at all. It's kind of a, an interesting situation. But as it pertains to Andy Reid, uh, you're right. He he's he's a he's just a great guy, and he is uh, he's got it down. You're right. He's got his ways. He's got people around him he trusts in every aspect of the of the of the organization. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's got it down. And if he's got Mahomes, I, I don't know why he'd want to leave. No, I, I agree. I mean, look, you only – unless you're just, you know – the one thing about coaching and – Tell me. And maybe it's everything. It's kind of funny. Ed Orgeron, who people make fun of, you know, he said it really well. Some people have a shelf life where they can do it for 30 years. Some people have a shelf life where they can do it for 10 years. Some people have a shelf life where they can do it for five. Uh, when I left coaching, Ur Urban Meyer and I are good friends, and he would call me. He goes, you know, he goes, hey, uh, I heard you got offered this job. You going back in? And I'm like, no. I, I, and he said, why? I just, I'm done. I don't like it. Yeah. I, 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 I found something else that I like better. 
I don't, that seems miserable. This seems fun. And I never <laughs> thought I would be there. You know what yeah, I mean? No, I, I never, totally get it. Because that, that always seemed fun, building a team, meetings with coaches, recruiting, talking to kids, you know, winning a battle. That always seemed fun. And I've talked to so many coaches that, frankly, are in college coaching, both football and basketball, just because of the money. Like, yeah, this is crap. Uh, yeah, and you know when yeah. you're done, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's true in a lot of fields. And then you step out of it and you find out what that world is like and where you fit into it and, and what you want to do with it. Um, and, and a lot of great coaches, Bill Parcells among them, uh, we'll see what happens here with Bill Belichick. They, they just go on and say, you know what? I've done all I can do. I've done, I've, it's been great. Uh, I want to just, you know, fish. I want to do something else. Andy, I'm not sure has that in him. I th listen, I know a number of coaches just can't leave. Uh, Tom Moore, who's an offensive uh, consultant for the Tampa oh. Bay Buccaneers, oh, cannot leave. leave. He cannot he leave. He can't leave. So, no. you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, you're right, though. Everyone has a different personality and a different outlook about the whole thing. Um, it's hard for me to imagine Andy leaving. Eventually he will, right? I mean, we, it, everything comes to an end. Every, all good things must come to an end, and, and it will for Andy. I just don't see it yet. Michelle, you know when I knew? When I knew I was never going back to coaching, I got a call from a coach, said, hey, it was right after Thanksgiving, which is weird time to get a call. It was a good job, too. Hey, I want you to be my lead assistant. I'm going to pay you more money than I made as a head coach, all this kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, I had such a great time at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. As a basketball coach, I didn't know Thanksgiving was sit, yeah. eat, talk, laugh, gamble, watch football. Why yeah. I was, and I'm and I remember telling the guy, look, thank you, but I had such a great time at Thanksgiving. I can't wait till Christmas. And I ain't yeah, doing it coaching. You know, yeah. But other, it, but other people are different. Everybody's different. It, it, everybody's different, which is what makes the world go round. I remember when I decided to leave the NBA and I was sitting in a car getting ready to make the call telling ESPN I was not going to do it anymore. And it was because my two-year-old son, who I had waited years to have and finally had, was in a pumpkin patch looking at pumpkins for Halloween. And I said, I've missed too much of this. I, I'm, you know, I can't work year round at this rate. I'm just going to stick with the NFL and leave the NBA. And people thought I was crazy, and I have never regretted it. You know, it's amazing. People think coaching jobs or your job uh, or my job in broadcasting are the holy grail. Like, mm -hmm. well, Dockage, we see why you didn't go back into coaching. You know, if I say something stupid about a basketball game, I'm like, really? You see the <laughs> enjoyment that I had with my family? Because, right. you know, like people, people think like it's the Holy Grail and your, your jobs, my job, coaching jobs aren't different than anybody else. You want, you want balance eventually, eventually. At mm -hmm. first you don't, yeah. at first it's drive, drive, drive. That's right. And then you're like, That's hey, right. this is stupid. Right. 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 And, and all it's, those people, you know, Dan, you've heard them, they, they get later in life and they, what is your one regret? My one regret is I work too hard. If I had to do it over again, I wouldn't work as hard. Bull. The, the hard work in the beginning was what got you where you got. 
And it was great and it was fun and it was energizing and it was everything you wanted to do. I mean, I immersed myself. I drowned in statistics and facts and, and research. I just loved it. But you're right, you evolve, things change. Uh, it, 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 things just get a little bit different and everyone finds out at their own rate and everyone finds out at a different point. My father-in-law was a terrific college football coach and he was here at the University of Minnesota with two kids and a wife and the staff got fired and he was offered a job at Clemson and he went home and told his wife, we're going to Clemson. And she started to cry and he said, nope, we're staying here. And he totally changed careers and he did it for his family. He was just that devoted to his family. Uh, so I, Tom Moore, who he was dear friends with, once told me he should have never left. And I said, you don't understand. He had such a rich life with his family. So it's, you know, some people, you're right. People think it's glamorous. There is so much downside to a lot of these high profile, really cool looking jobs. A lot of downside. If you can balance it and have what you want, more power to you. But there, you know, there are other things in Michelle, life. Michelle, you'll appreciate this. So my son's in his 20s. He's got a great opportunity. He's a full-time assistant at Illinois State. Pa making more money as a full-time assistant than I made as a head coach at Bowling Green. <laughs> and he's <laughs> single. He's got a girlfriend. She lives in Chicago. So we go over to the game. And they lose. And he asked me, he goes, Dad, what would practice have been like at Bowling Green? What would you have done at Bowling Green? Or what would Bobby Knight have done when you played and coached for him? I said, well, we would be practicing at 6 in the morning at Bowling Green and at Indiana tomorrow morning. And then we'd probably be practicing at 2 in the afternoon. Then there'd be a film session, blah, blah. And he looks at me. He goes, well, that's ridiculous. I go, okay, it may be. I go, why is it ridiculous? He goes, well, you got to have a life. So I asked him the next day. It was Sunday, and they were off. They didn't practice at 6 in the morning. They didn't practice at 10. I said, okay. I call him up. I go, you need this great life of yours, right? What are you doing today? Well, uh, I slept in. I'm eating pizza. I'm watching film. I go, well, that's the life? How about yeah. you win a bunch of games, make a team better, and then you enjoy that life to your point about you immerse yourself, you're crazy, and then you yeah. enjoy the life as you move forward. Not when you're yeah. 25, you're 27 <laughs> years old. What's his right. life at 25? Go to work. <laughs> Kick some ass. I, I, I tend to be on your side with this. I, I think you work hard early so you can enjoy everything later on. It just it makes you tougher. It makes you more appreciative. And it makes you better at what you do. It's as simple as that. There are going to be people out there who outwork you. They may be less talented, but they will outwork you. And my whole approach to life has been to outwork everybody else. Did I freeze on you? Can I, I think can you I ask did. You, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Please. This is very This is very controversial in uh -oh. Indianapolis with me. Oh, okay. With me. I told my first wife that we are going to have kids in either May, early June, or August. Because I'm not having it during the season with Coach Knight. Camp is in, is in the middle or August. I'll have 20 kids. People lose their mind on me, Michelle. My son was born May 10th. My daughter was born June 2nd. And people lose their mind on me. But I don't care. 
That's what I needed to do. Am I a bad guy for this? Where are you at with this? No. Uh, I mean, that's how I chose my wedding date. Uh, you know, it had to not conflict with the seasons I was working. Um, <laughs> for me, it got to the point, and you were lucky. You were fortunate. You could time it. Uh, that didn't work out very well for right. us. So at a certain point, I was like, right. I'll have a baby whenever the, whenever the heck I can have one. But no, I, I don't think that's controversial. I can see why people get sensitive about it. Like, oh, you're telling your wife when she's going to have the baby. You know what? Everyone is allowed to make their own life decisions. And no one else should give a damn, frankly, about when you decided and how you decided to have kids. I'm just envious that you were able to time it so well. My gosh. Yeah, I know. I, 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 it's a blessing. And I thank God every day. Like, right. But she worked at an OBGYN office. She brought and my wife was all in on it. She's like, yeah, we need the money. She's like, yeah, we need that. We need the June camp money. Yeah. Hell yeah. We're going to, you know, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I want your ass on the road recruiting in July. I want you the hell out of town in July. Hell yeah. Well, you know, but yeah. it's, yeah. uh, hey, yeah, that's it, what's important. You're both on board with it. Who else? You, who else gets to have a say in this decision besides the two of you? That's right. But thank you, Lee. But people lose their mind on that conversation. And I get it. It's a blessing. And you should be happy. And I do. I, I honestly. But, you know, again, and you're breaking up a little bit, but I'm just going to chime in and interrupt you. This that People lose their mind. I, You know, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. And this having an opinion right. about a couple who decides when and how they're going to have their family I mean, you go find something else to have an opinion about, please. That's right. Go find something else to bitch about. Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> go, go bitch about Travis and Taylor. <laughs> That's it. And they do. All right, they we'll do. be right back. I got some more headlines. I love having Michelle Tafoya. We covered a lot of ground right there. I don't know what the hell's going on with my internet. I, I've been all over with this internet, and I'm about ready to throw something through the roof. Well, I don't want to throw it through the roof. I'll throw it somewhere. I don't know. But Michelle Tafoy is awesome. I'm telling you, I know you guys want a deeper breakdown, and I'll give you one. But when Patrick Mahomes gets the points, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes, and, and I'll, I'll live with the result. Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Patrick Mahomes getting points. I am in. That's my Super Bowl. Man, oh, man, I love talking to Michelle Tafoya. I do. I think it's just a lot of fun. It's smart. It's just the way it goes. Coming up, I'm going to give you my top five college basketball teams. College basketball is rolling. Charles Gasparino is going to join us. He's got an article on Live Golf. I, this is fascinating with this whole Live Golf thing. It really is. I watched it the other day. And I got to tell you, I kind of enjoyed it, but with music going, shorts wearing, it felt like I need more time to get used to it being an absolute competition. Hope that makes sense. Meaning, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I liked it. The golf was fantastic. Great leaderboard. I mean, God dang, Kepka and Dustin Johnson and John Rahm and Joaquin Neem. I mean, Sergio, it was fantastic. But I'm going to need a little more time with music blared, shorts where it just seems too casual because for years and years and years, we've all watched the PGA Tour and it's very formal. John Daly was weird, right? Back in the day was the anti-formal. Everything's buttoned down on the tour and it just is going to take me a minute to go, all right, okay, 
let's just make sure that this is about winning. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, he is getting his staff together. Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator. Uh, he is previously Harbaugh's offensive coordinator with the 49ers. Greg Roman, who gets fired and hired, and he's like a lifer in the NFL, is set to join Harbaugh. The interesting thing about Harbaugh has nothing to do with anything other than Harbaugh and Justin Herbert. Everything else is garbage. Everything else is window dressing, how many tickets they sell, whether Roman is the offensive coordinator, whoever's the defensive coordinator. It does not matter. The only thing that matters is whether Justin Herbert morphs into a great NFL quarterback. That's it. So you can talk about everything you want relative to Jim Harbaugh. Should he have left? Should he have left? Yeah, nothing. Nothing matters except is Justin Herbert going to If he does not, Jim Harbaugh will probably be a guy that hangs around 500, 12, 13 wins because he's a good coach with a good talent, and they're okay. And then people will get tired of him, and he'll go back somewhere else or quit, retire. Uh, Brian Windhorst, who's our friend. i got to get Winnie on our show. I've known Brian Windhorst since he was a – Reporter in Akron. I love Brian Windhorse. Uh, he is reporting LeBron James was sending a message to the team management by draping a Knicks towel over his shoulder during a post-game interview on Saturday night. Is Brian right when he suggests LeBron is putting pressure on the Lakers organization? There he is. Uh, Windhorse is not subscribing to the theory that LeBron James in Madison Square Garden just picked up a towel and put it on. And it happened to be the Knicks. He's saying this is a gesture of ill will. This is a gesture of this is what LeBron excels at. He computes all this stuff, of course. He was cognizant and aware. He was putting on a towel that said New York Knicks. Why would he mess with the Knicks? Because he was using the Knicks as a tool to pressure the Lakers. Pressure the Lakers into what? I mean, you're going to tell me pressure the Lakers into making some deals. You're going to tell me pressure the Lakers into get him more help. Maybe. Let me ask you a question. Just a simple question. You don't think that Rob Polinka, the general manager, president, whatever he is of the Lakers, doesn't want to get LeBron James more help? You don't think Rob Polinka wakes up every day like most general managers or maybe all general managers and actually all coaches do? You don't think Rob Polinka wakes up every day and says, you know what, I want to make this team better. How can I do it? And gets on the phone and starts making calls. You really think that putting on a Knicks towel is what's going to send this over the edge and all of a sudden Polinka is going to get all this done? You really think that? I don't know, man. I, I guess. I mean, I maybe. But I think Rob Polinka wakes up and goes, hey, all right, let me see here. Who is available? Let me make some phone calls. Let me see what I got. Let me. I would. I would every day. So, okay, LeBron, you're pissed. LeBron's pissed. What are you going to do? Going to opt out of $50 million next year? Hey, if you are, good for you. 
This next story makes more sense. This next story, I don't care about Tom Brady and his $37 million a year to be a broadcaster. I'd like to get a little 37th of it to be a broadcaster. I'd take a mil a year, my toes would be tapped. I would want Travis Kelsey in my fold. What would I do with him? I don't know. Like McAfee, Travis Kelsey, that's it. Gronkowski, way over here. Like, you know, I'm not even talking about the minority hires. The minority hires are totally different. The McCordys, the Nate Burlesons, they're totally different. They have nothing. There's nothing Nate Burleson adds on a screen. He might be good on CBS Morning Show, but there's nothing Nate Burleson adds. There's nothing McCordy adds. There's nothing any of these guys add. White guy, black guy, doesn't matter. Nothing. Zero. The only ones that move, like Gronkowski and J.J. Watt get on a set, right? They're on the set. Is there anything either of them have said, anything that you remember? Is there anything either of them said that made you go, huh, that's interesting? Is there anything about either of them that is charismatic on TV? The answer is no. All you got to do is watch New Heights, which is the show that Travis and Jason Kelsey do. All you got to do is watch it one time, and it is really good. I'm not the biggest podcast guy. But I watch that with my daughter, and I'm like, wait a second. This is pretty damn good. No, this is really damn good. Interesting. So if you tell me Jason or Travis Kelsey or both decided to do a couple things. One, get into broadcast, and I'd say smart. I work for Fox. Fox should get them into the fold in their uh, football lineup. Just like Fox basketball should get me in the fold in their basketball lineup if I'd be willing to do it. You just should. There's just certain things. We're the best at what we do. Or the Kelseys can continue that New Heights and become a Joe Rogan type thing. They're the number one podcast out there. That's got to make them a ton of money. Me personally, if I were the Kelseys, I wouldn't go work for nobody. I'd work for myself. And if somebody wanted me to do some games, you know what? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Uh, This is a weird story. A singer at the All-Star Game, Kiana Leedy, was wearing pro-Palestine attire while she sang the national anthem at the NHL All-Star Game. Now, I got to tell you, the Center for Israeli and Jewish Affairs was not happy, and I don't blame them. A singer who was told people who support Israel, who has told, people who support Israel to stay home is given the red carpet treatment at the NHL All-Star Game. It's unfortunate before giving her one of their largest platforms of the year that the NFL didn't look into her more. She has a record of divisive and harmful statements that have only served to encourage hate against a large portion of the Jewish community. Well, here's what I'm betting happened. NHL, white dudes. Sister right here, right? African-American woman. I guarantee you the NHL weighed what the Jewish people said against having an African-American woman, and they decided it's better for us to have an African-American woman than it is to worry about anything pro-Palestine. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Because that's the way the world works. It's stupid. It's ignorant. It's insulting. If I were Jewish folks that are sponsors or if I were Jewish TV execs, I'd be pissed off. If I were Jewish customers, I wouldn't go to the NHL. I wouldn't support it. I don't know if anybody knows, but 
I would prefer if we just keep this kind of politics out. If the politics of having an African-American and having to have an African-American, imagine if she's a lesbian, it's even better. I mean, Candace Parker is the perfect person to sing the national anthem. A once, a you know, I got in trouble because I wouldn't go swimming in a pool with a woman that wasn't my wife. Candace Parker, married to Sheldon Williams, has an affair with another woman, leaves him, and becomes a superstar. Why? Checks all the boxes. Black, lesbian, was not lesbian. Woman. Simple. You weigh the pros and the cons. And the NHL obviously said, well, you know what? I don't know. We like the fact that she's African-American. Sorry about your luck, Jewish people. We're going ahead with it. And that sucks. That sucks big time. No, that sucks. Shouldn't be ridiculous. How about you just keep politics? You're telling me there's not a sister somewhere that can sing the national anthem and not be pro-Hamas or pro-Palestine or, or political at all? That's what you're telling me, NHL? And the deal is the media won't talk about it because it's African-American woman. And the media, the very white media in the NHL, is the very stupid, soft, sensitive media because, well, unlike me or anybody at OutKick, they haven't been called racist 150 times over nothing. Once you get called racist 150 times over nothing, you just kind of laugh. Doc, you're a bigot, you're racist. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Good for you. Hey, uh, Bobby Witt's a shortstop for the Kansas City Royals. Bobby Witt's dad was a good pitcher, threw hard. I remember when Bobby Witt's dad came up, I thought he was going to be really good, and he was. Bobby Witt Jr. signed an 11-year, $288 million contract, including, listen to this, the club option after the 11th season that would tack on three extra years and $89 million to the contract, giving him a ceiling of $377 million. Now, I got to tell you, I've always said this. You're going to disagree. I've always said, if Derek Jeter played shortstop for the Kansas City Chiefs, Derek Jeter would just be another player. Really good, Hall of Famer probably, but he wouldn't be the captain. He wouldn't be doing every commercial. He wouldn't have owned the Myron. He went with the Yankees. I hope this guy's agent understands that tying him up for 14 years, kid's like 21, tying him up for 14 years in Kansas City, I hope it has some outs. I hope he can get the hell out of there because the way baseball is currently structured, yeah, a few years ago, maybe 10 now, Kansas City Royals had a little bit of winning but for them. Baseball's different. Baseball is so tiered. Baseball is so nuts. All you got to do is look at the contract that the Los Angeles Dodgers are giving out. I got to tell you, if I'm Bobby Witt's agent, I am making damn sure that at some point within the next five years, he can get to the Yankees, the Red Sox, he can get to the Cubs, he can get to the Dodgers, he can get somewhere where he can win something or else you're going to have a very unhappy client no matter how much money. Hell, all this money, ceiling of $387 million, all this money ain't going to buy you happiness as you're living in a penthouse in Kansas City. All right. 49ers are pissed. They're saying that their practice field isn't up to snuff. 49ers are like, hey, 
wait a second here. We're, we're practicing at UNLV. Uh, we ain't happy. We don't like it. The grass in Vegas sucks. They're unhappy with a soft practice field. They're considering some options. They're not pleased with the practice field at UNLV where the NFL designated they're supposed to practice. The firmness of the natural grass has laid over the artificial turf. Members of the equipment staff traveled to Vegas last week to check out the facilities. The grass is too soft for practice on, and the team is considering moving elsewhere. There you go. How hard is this to get right? Like, honest to God. There's a bunch of tests. They use all kinds of tests. It's the Clegg test, C-L-E-G-G. Listen to this. Measures the firmness. A field has to be at or below 100 grams, units of gravity, to pass. The natural turf is only 50. All right. That's fine. The 49ers prefer 70. So we got a difference of two gravities or 20 gravities. They can go about their business and practice on the field as scheduled. They can bring in new firmer sod that would, in theory, be ready for practice this week or negotiate with the NFL to practice at the Raiders facility where the Chiefs are located this week. This is actually a big deal. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. When you go to a, a, an event, uh, whether they, whatever the event is, World Series, uh, I happen to be involved in a couple Final Fours as a coach. You want everything perfect. You don't want to jackass around about the hotel. You don't want to worry about where you're practicing, how the floor is where you're practicing, or the turf in football. You don't want to worry about any of it. You know what you want to worry about? You want to worry about where my team is mentally on the field ready for the game. I don't want anybody worried about the field. I don't want anybody worried about room service. I don't want anybody worried about tickets. I don't want anybody worried about anything other than where we're at mentally for this game. Period. Period. Nothing else. Zero, zip, nada. Nothing. Uh-uh. But now you got to worry about the practice facility. That's inexcusable. Look, I get it. 1969, you're playing in a high school football field for the Super Bowl. Hey, go practice over there in the field. 1985, the Bears were practicing at an outdoor park, getting ready for the Super Bowl in Chicago. They didn't have a dome. Great. But this ain't then. This is 2023, where you can make turf. Hell, a guy could grow, grow a guy could right here. Grow meth, turf, weed, and sensibilia right here on my carpeting. And we can't find turf. We can't find anything for our guys. The It's stupid. It'll piss you off. And if I were Shanahan, I would stay pissed off until it got fixed. Uh, Bob Beckwith is a great story. Bob Beckwith is a war hero. Bob Beckwith is a... FDNY, Fire Department of New York hero during 9-11. During 9-11, Bob Beckwith stood with President Bush. Bob Beckwith was 91 years old, and Bob Beckwith passed away. Assume we have the picture of Bob Beckwith. It seems like we do. Uh, this is Bob Beckwith on September 14th, standing with President Bush after the horrific events of 9-11. 2000 
and one. Guess we don't have the picture of Bob Beckwith. Oh, we did. It says here, sock. What does sock mean? Oh, sorry. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Bob Beckwith died. The man right there on the right. He was 91 years old. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We love Charles Gasparino. We do. We love him. He's on Fox Business. We read him in the New York Post. Why is the New York Post the most honest newspaper in America? I didn't, look, I'm in Indianapolis. I always thought, or I was led to believe, going back 100 years, that the New York Post was like some tabloid. The New York Post is like the only honest paper. It's a good point. So, listen, just so you know, my journalism background, uh, Started at the Tampa Tribune, worked at the Dallas Morning News as an intern, worked at New York Newsday, both as an intern and as a, a staff reporter. Um, nine years at the Wall Street Journal, two years, about two years at Newsweek before it became nothing, a website. It was actually a big magazine when I was there. And then I got into TV broadcast. You know, I always wanted to work for the New York Post, even despite that pedigree. Always wanted because... There's something raw, interesting, and, you know, they break a lot of news. And uh, it always had a tradition, uh, particularly since uh, Rupert Murdoch owned it, as being a feisty newspaper. Newspaper. Yes, there's some funny stuff. There's tabloidy stuff. But it's always been a newspaper under Murdoch, and it, and it still is to this day. He obviously still owns it. All right, let's walk through this. First time... 
and I don't even know why I did it. It was Sunday was not a great day for sports. I watched Purdue, Wisconsin, and then <laughs> a buddy of mine's like, "Hey, you watching Live?" I go, "You know, I turned on the Live tour. Live, PGA, you're all over this. Where are we with this right now? And where are we gonna be? And how soon are we gonna be to wherever the hell it is that we're gonna be?" Okay, so full disclosure, and I put this in my piece in the New York Post this week about the, the sort of stalled merger talks. I know almost nothing about golf. Uh, I used to work as a landscaper <laughs> as a kid on the, at the Lock Ledge Golf Course in Yorktown Heights in Westchester County, and that's about it. I you know Miniature golf, I think I played with my wife once, um, and it bored the hell out of me. So I'm not a golfer. All my sources are. They're all Wall Street bankers and traders, and they love the stuff. Uh, but And some of them are involved in this live PGA merger. I mean, this Wall Street is all, all over this. Allen and Company is on one side. Uh, Michael Klein, who used to be a big banker at Citigroup, is on another. The Rain Group is involved. Big law firms. Cravath is involved. I mean, this is a big thing for Wall Street to try to put together these two leagues. Um the problem is, is that it's running into, and by the way, why do they want to put together these two leagues? Because if they're separate and there's, you know, people not playing in some of the tournaments and, you know, you got Phil Mickelson boycotting some tournaments, you got the guy Tiger not playing in some of the live tournaments. I mean, you want to see the best of the best sort of compete with each other. And that, and, and by the way, the PGA had a, had a monopoly for years, obviously, right? They, they now have a well-financed, competitor live is backed by the saudis the pif the, the public investment fund is their big pub but big sovereign wealth fund this part i know a lot about uh it's kind of like the old afl with a lot of money could ch challenge the nfl for uh supremacy and that's why they merged the two football leagues and that's kind of what's behind this the problem is that you have you know you have regulators in washington mainly the biden administration that hates any merger you know the Biden administration will tell you, because I've spoke with them about this, they only challenge 2% of all mergers. That's because they're so dogmatic that 98% of the ones that want to do it don't do it. Uh, these guys are trying to do it. And from what I understand, there's a lot of brushback because, you know, there's an antitrust concern. Maybe they think, you know, golfers can't get a better salary, get a better salary if there's two leagues as opposed to one, even though... Antitrust is supposed to be about cost and, you know, to consumers and consumers definitely want to see the best of the best compete against each other and more, more tournaments and better and more lively. You name it. Uh, that's number one. The other thing I think is obviously the Saudis being involved rubs the, this administration the wrong way. I mean, I'm not going to defend the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. He was obviously got on the wrong side of Mohammed bin Salam and, uh, you know, the, 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 the ruler of Saudi Arabia. Um, but you know, the, the Middle East is a treacherous place. You know, they've at least the Saudis have at least showed allegiance to Israel in its in in in, in its issues with Hamas and terrorism after that that disgusting massacre of, of um, October seventh. Um, you know, to, to stop, to, to, and we're not going to stop doing business with the Saudis. Every everybody's doing business with the Saudis whether this administration likes it or not, they're not going to get regime change. So I don't kind of get the end game here. Um, they're not going to change Saudi Arabia. 
they're nominal. They're our friend more than our, our enemy. They do some bad stuff. A lot of people do bad stuff. I'm not excusing the, the murder of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a writer or journalist. Um, but, uh, at some point, you know, you got to kind of work with these guys a little bit and, um, and move on. And I think this deal is falling victim to the Biden administration's it's, it's two things. It's, it's anti-merger. It's, 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 it's belief on antitrust. It's very dogmatic. And then on, on top of that, it's, it's sort of, you know, disposition towards the Saudis. What's going to happen? I think we're just going to muddle along and, you know, I, I, listen, if, if Biden gets reelected, probably nothing. There won't be a merger. If Trump gets in there, it'll probably be a merger. I mean, he'll he has much more. I mean, you know, Jared Kushner is his son-in-law. He's much more friendly with the Saudis. Trump, you know, is is a sports fan. I mean, I, I you know, you can put it all together. If Trump gets elected, and if he's the Republican nominee, I mean, Nikki Haley's still involved, uh, but it's it's likely to be a. Uh, they're likely to approve this deal. My guess. And, and the guess of my banking sources that are working on it. And that's the one thing that's that will make this happen. And, and fans will, will like it now. Um, you know, you can have political views on both sides. I'm just kind of laying you out the facts. Yeah, at some point, um, I was watching the other day, Liv. It's the first time I've watched it. They got, they've done a good job of building a roster, right? And that's and, – yeah. but it, it's, at some point – it feels to me at some point everybody's going to have to give in. Like everybody, if I if Tiger Woods is going to go play an event that Liv is sponsored, that's Tiger Woods giving in. Roy McIlroy seems like he's giving in. But the bottom line, correct me if I'm wrong, Charles, but the bottom line is everybody going to get real fat here financially real quick. They already are, and this is a great thing for players of the PGA and the Live Tour. This is great for golfers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the that's what the Biden administration likes about two leagues, to be honest with you. They like that, you know, you could shop yourself and make more money here, make more money there. Um, the problem is it's not great for the fan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the fan I wants agree. to see everybody competing with each other. They want to see like either one league. I and, agree. By the way, if there's no if there's no exclusivity, then there's no reason to have two leagues. Right. If if I if I'm in the AFL, the old AFL, and I could just walk one day and play for the you know say I'm playing for the San Diego Chargers back in right. the old AFL days, and I and I just go play for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, what's the difference then? You know, any given Sunday. So I think that's kind of the issue here. You know, fans want the best of the best, and um, you know the Biden administration is preventing that that merger and getting you know doing what the fans want essentially. Um, you know, I, I you you know more about golf than I do. Will this really restrict the, the the player purse that much if they merge both? Will it really restrict? Here's all players care about: G great player, good player. They care about being able to play in tournaments and have to be able to play in majors and get a world golf ranking so that they can play in events like the Ryder Cup. That's what players ultimately care about. And live is not allowing or they're not being allowed to give points. Like you win a live tournament, 
you're not earning points towards your world golf rankings, which enables you to do all these different things. Ultimately, Charles, that's all golfers give a rat's ass about. I mean, money so oh, is the umbrella, so, right? So, okay, so if there's one league, will that would, would that be a problem to get those points and all that? No, if there's one league and they merge, then all those points start counting. With two leagues, those points do not count because if you're See, in, like, I'll give you an example. Sir, Sergio Garcia lost in a playoff to Joaquin Neiman uh, in the Live Tour. If you win that right. on the PGA Tour, you elevate yourself maybe in the top 20 in the world. You know, I don't know, whatever, whatever the number is. Meant nothing. Right. To Sergio, met, who came in second, meant nothing to Neiman, who came in first. And for golfers, whether you understand it or not, that's a big deal because legacy is Ryder Cup, President's Cup, things of that nature. So two leagues, yes, it kills that. Now, the Ryder's Cup is, is sponsored by whom? Help me out here. Well, the Ryder Cup is ran by the PGA of America. It's not the PGA Tour. It's it, and it's not. Uh, it is a. This is where like, my um, knowledge of golf is so like well, benign. You know? I, I I know, and it's confusing because the, the U.S. Open is run by the United States Golf Association, the USGA. Oh, gotcha. The British, one of the other majors, is the Royal and Ancient. Right, the Masters is run by a bunch of rich white dudes in, in Augusta. Right. Yeah. And so you're kind of proving my point in a sense that there already is competition in, in a of way, course. right? Yeah. I mean, the competition is for those various tournaments that the league helps you get there, right? Theoretically. Um, yes. And if you have look, more money, hey, look, if the PGA look, if has you, more- If you win an event, Charles, if you win an event on a PGA tour, you're right. in the Masters. And for a golfer... That's the biggest deal that you can be in. That's the, that's the Coupe de Gras. If you win a Live Tour event, hey, Charles, nice win, man. Great win. We'll pat you <laughs> on the back, give you a big check, you know, and we'll see you next week. Well, that's then, well, the then biggest let me ask difference. You this. Why, why, why does PGA want to, like, merge with them then? Because they, they could take away players. They could pay them on the side. I mean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're, they're, they're seeing <laughs> – well, Charles, you're seeing there's a great roster. Greg Norman has done a fantastic job of building a roster. I mean, I look yeah. at I, it's again, it's the first time it's the first time I've watched a live event. And I'm like, oh yeah, Brooks Kepka's at wait, Cam Smith has won a major. He's a oh, Dustin yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Holy cow. You know, and that's the biggest issue. It's watering down the PGA so, tour. You see, that's the whole thing. So they have to merge at some point. I mean, they have to. I mean, the question is, will the government let them? And I don't think the Biden administration will. I could be wrong, but it's I'm just saying what my sources tell me. At least now they're not. Um, Trump would probably say yes, because he's a big golfer, golf fan to begin with. Right. Sure. And uh, and everybody will be happy. You know, what's great about this story is that it's besides being a sports story, it's a great business story. I mean, we're just like but we're yes, we're, we're sort of it's the confluence of antitrust law it's a confluence of geopolitics because it's the saudis it's a confluence of sports it's a it's it's sports marketing it's sports you name it right it's how it's player salaries you name it and it's and it's the game so that's why that's what attracted me to this story and again like i said i have the minimus knowledge of golf i wouldn't know a birdie from a par three what's a par three by the way 
means if you get the ball from the tee in the hole in three shots, you're even par. Let me, let me, let me talk to you about something, Charles, because you started like everybody, myself, everybody does. When you started talking about the Saudis, you got really careful with your words. Me too. We all oh, yeah. do, right? You got to be very yep. careful. So uh, about a year ago, my stepdaughter's playing in the NCAA softball tournament at the University of Arkansas. So we're at the University of Arkansas. My wife and I are walking around campus, and in the center of campus is this big fountain. Now, this is Arkansas. And it's kind of like the center meeting point for campus. And I look, Charles, on and, and there's a big, like, plaque. And it talks about the donors. First three donors at the University of Arkansas to this big fountain center of campus were Saudi donors. Sheik so-and-so. The head of wherever. It's amazing to me. You made the point that the Saudis are in our lives. They are in our lives more than we ever know, including at the University of freaking Arkansas. And everybody's afraid to mention this. Yeah, it is. It is. I I mean, listen, they have money. Um, I mean, you know, the... You know, they're they're an oil kingdom. And by the way, they're diversifying. They do business with every Wall Street firm. They do business with every company I know. Um, it's a much more modern, I guess, monarchy than, even, than you could probably say goes on in Turkey, which is theoretically a, a democratic republic, right? Or not a republic, but a democracy. Um, you know, they, they, they side with, Israel much more than they side with everybody else. They're a buffer against Iran, which has geopolitical ambitions, you know, that is definitely the, against what we want to do. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm just saying that, you know, at some point with Saudi Arabia, you know, you, you know, again, um, it's hard to defend the killing of, and I'm not defending it. I don't, I need it as a journalist, right. Jamal Khashoggi, but you know, at some point, you know, this is a kingdom that um, that uh, that sides with us on a lot of issues. And I don't know, what are we going to do, overthrow hey, the monarchy? Right. Let me ask you this. What's the difference between this merger or not merger with what you mentioned, the NFL merging? But in 1976, the, the NBA and the ABA, which the ABA kind of did the same thing. They started taking players right out of college. What's oh, the yeah. difference oh, yeah. here? Be, what, what, what's the difference in these mergers? I, I don't see it as I don't see it as a, as a difference. Um, you know, I remember as a kid going to the old um, uh, Nassau Coliseum and watching Dr. J in halftime. Right. This is when he played for the Nets. They were the New York Nets back then. Uh, Dr. J doing the halftime, the halftime show was him doing like all these great dunks and stuff, right? That's how the ABA started. It was, you know, a few right. more key names and more and more, and then they had to merge the two. And Dr. J, as you know, went to the, the 76ers and, you know, became one of the greatest players, NBA players of all time. Um, AFL, same thing. I mean, you know, Joe Namath, they, they, they recruited him. The Jets recruited him, right? And then, you know, the, and then, they won the Super Bowl. I think the Jets were the first AF, AFL team. I think they were still called the AFL that year yeah. to win the win yeah. the Super Bowl. And I think then the next year, the Chiefs won it. It's nineteen seventy. So it was two. I could be wrong, but two years in a row. I think. 
Check my Chiefs check my. They, the, we're, Chiefs might have won the first. Yeah, I don't know. That's a great point. Um, Chiefs but lost. Long story lost, short, they lost to Green Bay the first one. Then the yeah. second one was Oakland, who lost to Green Bay. The third one, 1968, I think was the Jets. The fourth one might have been 69. It might have been the Colts beating the Cowboys. But 1970, I believe, was the AFL coming back. And I, I think they were the AFC at this point. It was the Chiefs beating the Vikings. Check me on that. I'm, I'm good. I'm pretty good. I got Green Bay, over, Green Bay over Kansas City, Green Bay over Oakland, the Jets right. over Baltimore in, in right. three. Then Kansas City beat Minnesota in Super gotcha. Bowl IV oh. in 1970. Gotcha. It was the first bet. Is the first bet I ever made. I bet a dollar. I took Minnesota, the Purple People Eaters, and they got beat by Hank uh, Stram. Hey, now, last thing. You should know ahead. my old man, who was a borderline degenerate gambler, won a lot of money betting on the the Chiefs that year. <laughs> Well, that was a good bet. Hank Stram, the coach of the Chiefs, was from my hometown, and everybody made fun of me for betting against uh, a legend. Hey, Charles, come back, man. Thanks for coming on. It's fun stuff. Love talking to you. Anytime. Call me anytime. Yeah, man, that's fun stuff. This live thing is interesting, and I agree with Charles in, in, in this aspect. It's the same merger. And, you know, the USFL tried it years ago when Donald Trump started getting to Herschel Walker and – a bunch of different guys, that merger didn't work. But this merger is interesting. If you turn on a live tour event, I, and it's on the CW, which is interesting as well because it's in every cable network in the country, the CW is. And here's the deal. You turn it on and you will be like me. You will go, wait a second. As a golf fan, I didn't realize all these guys were there. Like you could put when you got Kepka and you got Dustin Johnson and you've got Rom, and you've got Sergio. I mean, you're looking at Cam Smith, who's one of the great golfers in the world, and you go, wait, you could put this leaderboard up on any Sunday in any major event, and I did not see that coming. Thanks, Gary, for getting Charles on. That's good stuff. I love talking about this kind of stuff. I got a top five college basketball teams in the country. Number five is Marquette. Did you know, have you followed Marquette at all? A lot of people haven't. But one of the fun things about the Big East is how good Marquette and these teams are. Like, let me go through something with you. Marquette went on the road on Tuesday, a week ago, and beat Villanova at Villanova. Let me go through more of this with you. Marquette, one, two, three, four, five, six, Six in a row since losing at home, or excuse me, yes, since losing at home to Thad Mata and, and the Butler Bulldogs. Marquette is playing fantastic. Yesterday we had the opportunity to talk to Rick Barnes. Now, you Tennessee guys, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I don't care what Tennessee does until the tournament. Rick Barnes got a win in the tournament. Rick Barnes has been to a Final Four. Remember T.J. Ford? That crew went to the Final Four. But you all don't care. But you know what? We do have a regular season, and we must talk about teams in the regular season. And as I watched Ziggler and Connect the other night in Rupp against 22,000 crazy-ass Big Blue Nation people that came to a game to whip ass and left the game with their ass whipped, I got to tell you, I looked around and said, I'm not so sure that Tennessee isn't the best 
basketball team in the country. Tennessee defends. Tennessee rebounds. Tennessee, and, and next time you watch a Tennessee game, watch this. Tennessee always figures out a way to get the right guy the ball in the last 10 seconds of a shot clock. And that's not no little fate. That's a big deal. Watch Indiana tonight. See if that happens. Watch Ohio State tonight. See if that happens. Indiana plays Ohio State. Indiana's a five-and-a-half-point underdog on the road at Ohio State. It's on Peacock. I don't know who I'm betting, but it ain't going to be Indiana. But last 10 seconds of the shot clock, it is amazing to me. Like last 10 seconds of the shot clock, Purdue throws the ball up most times or gets in a ball screen and lets Braden Smith go. That's good business. I'm not knocking him. Smart. But last 10 seconds of the shot clock, it is pretty amazing that Tennessee always gets, I shouldn't say always, but 99.99, whatever, gets a good look. Number two, I'm going with Purdue. I should make them number one. You can make number one and number two the same team. It's UConn, it's Purdue, and I would argue they're here and everybody, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot number three. Number three is interesting team. Number three is North Carolina. You lose in conference, right? You go on the road, Purdue lost at Northwestern. You go on the road, you go play at Georgia Tech, you lose. Okay, hey, what are you going to do? That's what happened in North Carolina. But you know what North Carolina did coming back on Sunday? They made Duke look bad. Okay. Then they made the young coach at Duke, John Shire, question his team's effort and its toughness in the postgame. Do you know because of a variety of things, including recruiting, including getting clips and putting them off and showing recruits, do you know how difficult it is nowadays to get a smart coach to admit that his team was out-toughed? that his team was out-hustled? Do you know how hard that is? It's really hard. Because that clip from Shire about North Carolina is going to go to every recruit's house, every recruit's email, every recruit's coach, every recruit's AAU coach when it comes down to Shire and Hubert Davis recruiting Duke, North Carolina. That's how good Carolina was. They were very good. Got to tell you, Dumbest thing I've seen in college basketball, number two, is Purdue. Braden Smith, I don't give a damn whether you like Purdue, whether you think Purdue's going to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament again, whether you're like the majority of people in the great state of Indiana that don't care how Purdue does in the regular season. I just want to see him play in the postseason. I don't give a damn where you're at with it. But the Bob Cousy Award for the best point guard in the country came out the other day, and it didn't include Purdue's Braden Smith, and it's ridiculous. Braden Smith is not Dana O'Neill, who's a writer with The Athletic and a really nice lady, knows zero about basketball, but she tries real hard. She came out and tried to say Braden Smith just might be the MVP of Purdue. Garbage, nonsense, crap. Braden Smith is really good, and Braden Smith should be not only on the top 10 point guard selections in the country, probably should be one, two, or three. But he's not even on. I blame DEI. They got a white guy, Kolick from Marquette. I blame that. But it's asinine. But he ain't the MVP. The MVP is the big guy. The MVP is Zach Eady because everything flows in and around Zach Eady. Late clock, throw it up to Eady. Offensive rebound, Zach Eady's got a good shot at getting it, which makes shooters more comfortable. Period. But Smith is good. And Purdue is national champion good. You know what? So is UConn. One of the great things the other day watching the UConn St. John games in the garden was this. There was a couple really good things. I loved the energy of the garden crowd. 
it has a different sound to it. It just does. Great arenas have a different sound. Cameron Indoor, different sound. Mackey, Saturday night, Indiana's in there. It's going to have a different sound. Assembly Hall, different sound. The Garden had a different sound the other night. And yet sound was kind of, sort of, 50-50. Kind of, sort of, 50-50. It wasn't a... UConn draws a great crowd in the Garden. They do. But so does St. John's, and so does Richard Patino Sr. But it was good. So tonight, UConn, sitting there at 20-2, and two, is going to take on Butler, sitting there 15-7, and seven, and Butler's going to give them a hell of a game. Now, here's the deal. Uh, UConn is going to have their big kid back. UConn's got a guy named Tristan Newton who leads them in every category, but they got a guy named Cam Spencer. Cam Spencer is the poster child for bettering yourself through Transfer Portal and NIL. He was a nice player, good player at Rutgers on a nice team, good team. He's come over to UConn, and he has been dynamite fitting in. Shoots it bigger than you think, defends it, plays hard Bobby Hurley style. The second thing that was great about UConn and St. John's the other day is Bobby Hurley. I'm sorry, Danny Hurley. Danny Hurley's a maniac. Danny Hurley's a throwback. Danny Hurley's a throwback to that day when coaches would rip players' backsides, when coaches would get after them, when coaches weren't afraid, when coaches didn't care if you leave. Danny Hurley rips ass, man. Danny Hurley will get vulgar. Danny Hurley will get crashed. Danny Hurley will get loud. Danny Hurley will swear, and I love every minute of it. And you know what happens? The players love it, too. See, I would argue that men, real men, should root for <laughs> UConn. Why? Because toxic masculinity is back. Angry white dude yelling at players is back, baby. Gene Cady, Bob Knight, Mike Shashevsky. You think Shashevsky, when he was talking with his hand over his mouth, was saying, oh my gosh, guys, you're playing really well. He was MFing everybody. Jim Calhoun. Crazy. John Thompson. Crazy people. I'm here for it. I'm always here for it. Tonight, we got good hoops. UConn Butler. I saw something where Butler was getting 15. I'll take that. I'll take that action right now. Well, you nuts. Butler's a good basketball team. Now, can Butler handle having a little bit of success the other day at Creighton? I don't know. Most kids can't. But Butler, I think, just can't. And I'm going to make sure I got this right. I'll tell you what else. Give me Bowling Green minus 12 tonight. Indiana, I'm going to take Ohio State minus five and a half, I think. Watch, I'll put a video out on OutKick previewing all of this stuff. But I got to tell you, 15 and a half, I'll take Butler today, tomorrow, and the next day. Thanks, everybody, watching uh, 1430. I got a great show for you on 1430 from noon to 3. I got Tariko joining me. I got Tom Brew, the Indiana basketball writer from Sports Illustrated. I'm anxious to see what's going on with Sports Illustrated. Seth Greenberg is going to join. Hey, Brooke, thanks for all of your help. Nick and Nick, fantastic work. Dylan, I don't know where the hell Dylan is, but he ain't here, so I don't like him. Anyway, Gary, thank you. Aaron, you're the man. Have a great afternoon, everybody.